0: Hello folks, welcome to the very first podcast of Boomtown Pod, all things MMA. I am your host, Andrew Sutton, joined today with a very, very good guest and good friend of mine. Also a fighter for Prestige FC and Hard Knocks Fighting Championship, who is uh, not retiring yet. We're going to break all that down for you guys, my friend Devin Boomtruck-Smith. Fitting that we get a guy with the nickname Boomtruck as my first guest. Uh, We're going to dive into UFC 251. We're going to do so much more and talk about so many things that are going on in the world of the UFC after UFC Fight Island. Again, I'm Andrew Sutton. I'm your host today, joined by Devin Smith. And uh, we are part of the Blue Collar Media Group. Devin, how are you?
1: Pretty good. Glad to be here.
0: Hell yeah, man. You're guest number one. No pressure.
1: (laughs) uh, Doesn't sound like it's no pressure, but I'll do my best.
0: Awesome. Well, let's dive right into it. We'll go into the preliminary card first. Uh, we're just going to go right to the prelims headliner, which was Vulcan Oldsmuir versus Yuri Prochazka. And if you don't know who Prochazka is, you damn well do now.
1: Yeah, that that I had no idea who he was. I mean, but they talked him up like he'd, you know, like underground circles. Everybody knew who he was and I didn't know what to expect, but damn.
0: Dude, his style is... How do you describe it? Like it's 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 nothing out of what I've seen before at all.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there is a way to describe it. When I when I watched like the the first round there, I thought, Oh, for sure Vulcan is gonna end this guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, I, like
1: just seeing him move around and, and like he looked strong, he was quick and everything, but it's like you no, know, you could see Vulcan was landing. And I'm like it's just a matter. I mean, it's not like Vulcan has to land that many fucking times, right? So right,
0: right, and, and we we all kind of forget that Vulcan Oldsmere did fight Daniel Cormier for a light heavyweight championship, and it wasn't that long ago.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah. it's pretty mind blowing for a guy to to make his debut even in the UFC against Vulcan Osmir.
0: And the worst part is, I and here's where I feel bad for Mr. Time Vulcan Oldsmere. I, this is what, four losses in a row? He just hasn't been the same. Something's going on with that boy, and I can't figure it out. Maybe it's just not getting the finishes in the first round, but I I will say this, Prokczoska is a very hard read. Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't don't think that uh, there's any sort of preparation you can really do for that guy's style.
0: And the interesting thing that they're going to have a problem with is who do you match him up against in the light heavyweight division? Yeah, right now, I don't know. Cause he just he just beat a top ten guy, and it's not like, and that's his debut. Yeah,
1: like I said, like the debut against Ozdemir is is wild.
0: Yeah, it was one of the most underrated, I would say, underrated uh, performances of the night for me. Anyways, the other one that I wanted to talk about uh, on the preliminary card, and just because there's so much controversy with this, and I don't know if you saw the fight, but Leonardo Santos and Roman Bogatov.
1: Yeah, I saw clips of it, and I had read about it on Twitter. Yeah, pretty wild what was going on there. I don't even know what to say.
0: Roman Bogotov might be the biggest fucking moron that I have ever seen in the UFC. And the only reason why I say that is because in the first in the first basically round, he tagged him with a low blow. Okay? Leonardo Santos took a little bit of time to himself, kind of established himself back as you're allowed the five minute rule. Everybody knows that. And so he goes into it into the second round, gets tagged again below the belt. And I'm like, holy shit, what is happening here? Like this either Bogotov has no ring discipline or or he just doesn't understand English. <laughs> like, he's he's, <laughs> hes already been warned. So he does it again, and this time it's intentional. And, like, he hits him hard. So Leonardo Santos is on the ground for probably, I would say, a good. They gave him a couple extra minutes, and it was probably about six or seven minutes instead of the typical five. Uh, and I felt bad. I, I Santos is a warrior. He obviously wanted to go back in and do it. So they gave him the break. He comes back into it, and then Bogutov starts touching him pretty well. Like, he starts hitting some combos, gets him to the ground, and Santos is in a world of trouble. And then I just don't know what this guy was thinking, but Bogutov throws probably the worst illegal knee I've seen in the UFC. The guy didn't even have a chance of getting up. And uh, for the first time in UFC history, somebody was actually deducted two points.
1: Yeah, yeah that's the point where I saw that chunk of the fight and that's like unreal i've never even heard of of losing two points for for one strike like that
0: like it's it's absolutely absurd to me like you're 10 at this point he was 10 and oh going into that that fight and you're like okay well this guy obviously means business but like throwing a you gotta know better like is it just you've been in the ring before is it more so just momentum or like what's going on there
1: you know i i mean i don't honestly i don't think there's about he's obviously he's well aware of the rule set He's been and even if he's not, like you go over it so many times in the lead up and I don't know how you couldn't be aware of the rule set when it's the biggest you know the biggest promotion in the world and it's pretty standardized with them even even if it's just like you know the the momentum he's he's going in for the kill there's a there's a million other ways to do it.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just more so ring disciplined too. Like you do get you do get the uh, commissions rules the second you like are signing on that contract. So it's not like you don't know what the rules are. And let's face it, yeah. downing a neat opponent has been illegal for years. <laughs> Yeah,
1: exactly. It's not, it's not a new thing, exactly. No, like,
0: anyways, <laughs> we'll jump into the main card now. Unfortunately, uh, Santos did win by a decision, obviously, in the third round. Bogotov losing two points. He was winning that fight in my eyes. And uh, losing two points, first time in UFC history, I couldn't believe it, to be honest. But anyways, getting into the main card, we look at the uh, flyweight division right off the get go for the women. Amanda Rivas and Paige Van Zant. And I don't want to say that I was thoroughly disappointed in Paige Van Zandt's performance, but if Uncle Dana says you should probably look at free agency, he's probably about as disappointed as I was. I thought that was just an absolutely brutal showing by Paige Van Zandt.
1: Yeah, like I don't, I mean, I've, I'm not a big fan of hers, but, you know, she has looked good in the past. And I figure, I don't know if it's difficulty in, in proper training with all the, the injuries she had with her arm. But I, she had to know what she was up against. And you'd think, I mean, was is Rebus that much more, more skilled?
0: I don't know. Yeah, Rebus is a Rebus is a bit of a killer. And she's fun and she's like an entertaining person. So that could be really good for Uncle Dana and them to capitalize on. Because even during the fight, you know, she was active. She was hyper, getting into the cage. She was having a lot of fun. And even after a uh, post-fight conference there with Anik, she was just like bubbly, not the best English in the world, but uh, she was having fun in there, and she just made Paige Van Zandt, who is a UFC veteran, make look look like chump change.
1: Yeah, like it, it didn't even look competitive.
0: No, and, and when Uncle Dana at the end of the press conference uh, says, you know, Paige should look elsewhere, my assumption is that Bellator is going to throw all the money at her. Paige is a walking sponsorship, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. And I think ultimately her being in the UFC at this point isn't a look that I, I Like, worry. you wouldn't even be able to put her anywhere against the top 15 girls in the flyway And that's unfortunate because Paige, like you said, has done well in the past.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, I on- honestly, I think that regardless of how the fight went, I don't think Dana had a lot of interest in re-signing her anyway. Yeah. I think she took a pretty big risk doing this and going into free agency, hoping for the win, and then maybe a better contract. But, uh, yeah, I-, I-, I can't see her... Next fight not being in Bellator.
0: Yeah, she's gonna go join her husband. I think over in the uh, other corporation. And I mean, they train with guys that are all in that in that Bellator uh, atmosphere, anyways. With Chael Son and being, you know, a pretty large part of Bellator afterwards. And and uh, her her husband Austin is is in Bellator yeah. as well. And he's, he's undefeated there. He's a pretty good fighter, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I've seen a few of his fights. He's he's definitely talented. You just and get... I mean, if if she's gonna, she's likely gonna get a substantial. Ray is going to Bellator anyway, so I don't see why she wouldn't.
0: And the best thing is, you get promotions, you get paid. It's a lot different than the UFC having that Reebok deal, where they're just locked into having that and not being able to promote, you know, other places. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, Paige is gonna get a lot of money thrown out her way at Bellator for sure. She'll be like Cyborg immediately, getting that big check. So. Uh, I mean, all the best to Paige Van Zandt. Nothing wrong with her. Her and her $10,000 boobs are heading over to Bellator for sure. (laughs) The women's strawweight division. Yeah, I'm sure she'll
1: bring a lot of fans with her too.
0: Yeah, yeah, she's got a good following. She does. She really does. (laughs) Uh, And going into the women's strawweight division, we had two absolute former champions, two absolute fucking killers go at it. And man, it did not disappoint. Rose Namajunas taking on Jessica Andrade, and man, that might be one of the better fights that I have seen Rose take.
1: Yeah, you know, I was I was very surprised by Jessica and how much better she looked. Because although Rose, you know, lost the first fight, she she dominated and picked her apart standing up
0: in the first round. was domination.
1: Thought, yeah, I, and I thought you know as long as Rose is probably gonna do the same thing. And you know, avoid that that clinch and the, the power of Jessica for the second fight. But uh, the head movement on Jessica and everything was just so much different. Like she clearly like worked substantially on it.
0: Yeah, she was popping. It. The best thing about Rose was that she was getting back to her old technique of. She's not going to knock you out. She's she can she can touch you for sure. But she's a precise. She's an accurate puncher. So for her to come yeah. in and out of out of the pocket essentially, try to get that reach because Andrade throws bombs. Like she throws. Yeah fucking haymakers so if she were to connect just once like you said Rose was like Rose's face at the end of it that Shiner in the third round was significant oh yeah that's getting beat the fuck up. Like that's those are those are power punches. And like and the worst part was when they were doing the uh, after fight conference with her. You could just see her eye just continue to swell every time they came back to the break. And you're like, oh god. I mean, Rose obviously just set herself up for a title fight. That's it's the no brainer in that division. Uh, I think Lee is absolutely gonna uh, Lee's untouchable in that division.
1: Yeah, I mean so far it looks that way. It's one of those. I don't. You, you got to see someone get beat until you know. And it's like, I, I mean, I don't know that Rose is going to be the one to do it. But I mean, I also thought that Joanna was going to walk right through Rose. And, and that Rose thing happened threw twice. <laughs> twice. With that,
0: so, yeah, that's. I so mean, tr- really, who knows? That's so true. Now, what does Jessica Andrade do? Like, that's that. That was obviously the title contention fight to make. Obviously, two former champions. So where does she sit yeah. now?
1: I mean, she's still top of the division, right? It's not like she looked bad. I mean, it was a very close fight. So, I mean, what's Joanna? I guess who that, else is at the top right yeah, now? Yeah, that
0: would that would make sense in my eyes. Is to give Joanna and Jessica a little a little go here, and whoever obviously wins that will obviously face the winner of the Namajunas and Lee fight. But I guess we'll see in time what Uncle Dana does because it seems standings don't really count for much these days.
1: Yeah, especially with the shit going on now, it's more like, uh, who's available? Yeah,
0: do you have COVID? No, you're in. Like that's basically <laughs> yeah. how it goes. Speaking of guys that shouldn't have been in title fights, that got a title fight, well, we got our first title fight of the night in the bantamweight division, Peter Yon versus the former champion in Jose Aldo. And let's face it, folks, Aldo isn't the same Aldo that we've known and loved forever. But I will say this, in the first two rounds, Aldo came out and started throwing leg kicks which he hasn't done since Nom it feels like and he was ta- and yeah, he was taking yen.
1: Yeah. He's he's a hard he's one of the ones where it's hard for me to watch because I've been a long time long time Aldo fan and it's not like he looks terrible out there, you know what I mean? It's just like has the competition improved that much? I don't think so. It's just, I don't know if it's always his gas tank or what, but it's just he can't seem to put a couple wins together these days.
0: Yeah, we were watching the fight at a friend's house, and it just seemed like every time that Aldo would kick him with that leg kick, Peter Yawn just kept pushing forward. And and Peter Yawn is a, is if you don't know him, he's a killer, folks. He I want to call him like in the WWE, there's Randy Orton. He's like the legend killer. That's his nickname, right? Peter Yawn. <laughs> Peter Yawn might be the legend killer. That's what this guy does. Uh, He obviously came into the UFC, had a couple fights, beats, uh, I guess, retired, I don't know how you would describe it, Uriah Faber, and absolutely murked him. And I was like, oh, God, this guy's for real. And then he faces Jose Aldo in this title fight. And like I said, Aldo looked good for about two rounds. It kind of looked like the Aldo of old, where he was, you know, throwing that leg kick, coming in and out, did all right with spacing uh, because Peter Yawn's hands are lethal weapons. So he kind of respected yeah. that, and then Jan just third round took over.
1: Yeah, once once, once it was into the third, you could tell there was not, no coming back for Aldo as, as Peter started to just pick it up, and Aldo was slowing down. And honestly, it was hard to watch.
0: Yeah, it was. It really, really was. And I think, you know, Jose Aldo himself is saying, like, he wants to do another fight and wants to run it back and people have mentioned Cody Garbrandt and Jose Aldo and I was like, "Well, that makes no sense for Cody Garbrandt. Like, Jose Aldo has yeah. lost 3 of his last 4 fights and Cody Garbrandt finally won one of his last 4 fights." So it's kind of it's <laughs> it's kind of like, ah, uh, I don't know if it's a matchup to make, but if Jose Aldo plays against Cody Garbrandt, I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be good for Jose Aldo. Yeah. Uh,
1: just... I'd like honestly, I'd like to see Aldo go back to featherweight.
0: So would I for one more run. Um, The hard thing that we forget is that Jose Aldo is only 33 years old. It's not like this guy is, you know, 39, 40, but he's been in the UFC forever. And when he was a killer, I don't want to say this to be controversial, but TRT and steroids were still kind of a thing then. Testing wasn't so huge by USADA like it is now. And you can kind of tell by the way Aldo fights that that power that he once had just has eluded him ever since that happened
1: yeah you know it's there's definitely been more than a few guys at his gym who have failed since then so it makes you wonder for sure i've been a long time aldo fan but like you can't you can't deny that he's not the same fighter and it could be a number of factors but You know who knows.
0: And at the 13 second mark against the Conor McGregor fight, you could also say that his spirit left his body. So who who knows? And maybe it's just one of those mental things. You know, the UFC is such a mental sport. MMA in general is such a mental sport that you know once you get tagged, you're kind of living in that fear, especially when you got dropped in 13 seconds. So maybe Aldo just I don't know, man. It's it's a weird situation. I know he wants to come back and fight. I don't think he owes the company anything at this point. Um, he made them revenue in that division for what ten years?
1: Yeah, i like that.
0: Yeah, like you, you don't owe the UFC anything. I think kind of right now you had your title weight or your your title fight. I think that might be the last one he's probably ever gonna get. And uh, it was unfortunate the way it ended, which is what I want to talk to you about. You know how refereeing can work and stuff like that when you know a, a fighter's not defending himself. But I thought getting beat down for two and a half minutes was pretty fucking unnecessary. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against against that, or for that stoppage, I should say. You know, it should have come a lot sooner. I mean, you can see Aldo doing the absolute least he could to at least maybe get the judge to, or the ref to not stop the fight. You know, if they keep moving and Aldo will give like a little a little nudge yeah. and try to keep going. But at that point, as a ref, you, you got to realize, K. Okay, I I mean, yeah, he doesn't want it to end, but at the, it should end. You know what I mean? He's not doing himself any favors. Of course, he doesn't want the fight to end. He's, no. he's, a, he's a fucking fighter. He wants to every chance he can to get the win. But you need to acknowledge that that is not changing anything.
0: But that's exactly the there, situation. There's a difference.
1: There's a difference between the little the little movement and intelligently defending yourself. You know.
0: Yeah, and that's like the situation. I guess like Dominic Cruz would have probably loved to have that guy as a ref, but you know, like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I, thought, I guess
1: different strokes for different folks.
0: Yeah, you know what? And I think like if you go back to that Cruz fight, I thought Cruz did everything against the Hudo that he could. He was still. Moving and you know, he was still going. and yeah. I thought he was reaching up against the fence, like he was rocked, obviously. But it yeah. was at one of those situations where you're just like, Okay, well, now that I see how this fight ended and how that fight ended, Dominic Cruz has every right in the world to be pissed off. Yeah, so uh,
1: yeah, I mean, maybe, and, and then that's it's also like it's a difficult position for the rest because it's like you do too much one way and it's bullshit, and too much the other way and it's bullshit, right.
0: Yeah, very true. I don't know. (laughs) Refereeing might be the biggest part of this next one, and judging. Oh, (laughs) fuck the boxing system needs to leave the UFC almost immediately. (laughs) Uh, We're going into the featherweight title fight. Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky. I love both of these guys. I didn't really have a dog in the fight because, again, I think both of them are such spectacular fighters in that featherweight division. Um, but I am a blessed era guy. I think Max Holloway is great for the sport. He's only 28 years old. He is like one of the most active fighters to ever be in the UFC. He's one prob- I think he's like the second most highest winning percentage in the featherweight division. But we had a, roar. We had a war, man. It was a great fight. Uh, Max Holloway starts off the first two rounds um, touching Volkanovsky, something he didn't do in that first fight. And uh, he looked good popping in and out. I was like, all right. Max Holloway's back, and then the third round, I, I, he, he tagged Volkanovski twice, but Volkanovski tagged him once, so I was like, okay, I don't know how to look at this round, so I'm going to give it 10-9 Holloway, so in my eyes, I was up three rounds already for Holloway.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I watched it again afterwards, because I, I, I absolutely think, you know, the decision should have went to Holloway.
0: right and
1: and and like you I don't think the 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 blessed era is over although you know I like Volkanovski but I think that the blessed era there's still plenty of time for that it's one of those fights where it, it was there's no denying it was close but the rounds that Holloway won the the first two definitively definitively won in a dominant fashion, the rounds that Volkanovski won, okay, you can say he won, but not not dominant like Holloway's round. No, 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 so no. It's, not, it's hard not to give. All. It's hard to give the fight to Volkanovski when the only dominant rounds went to Holloway.
0: We obviously have watched a fight. I watched it again. Uh, for a second time the other day and I was just like I need to know where the refs are st- or the judging stance is with this because this doesn't make any sense to me like Volkanovsky yes at the very end of round five got that takedown and I looked over at my buddy and I said fuck this is gonna happen Volkanovsky's gonna retain because of that last takedown and it's not like he did anything on the takedown it was literally at the buzzer and I'm like okay well, that solidifies. If, if a judge who doesn't know what they're doing, which seems to be the case nine times out of ten in the <laughs> UFC, they have no fucking clue what's going on. And even old Uncle Dana says, like, listen, guys, don't let the fight get into the judge's hands ever. And it's sad that he has to say that, but that is the honest truth. And when they said 48-47 split decision and still, I was like... I fucking called it. The last takedown would be the one thing that the judge saw that solidified it. Not the octagon control that Holloway had the entire five rounds. Yeah. It's just it's just mind-blowing, man. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on, on changing the, 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 the point system, but I think something desperately needs to fucking happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know what, what to change at this point when it's like, it's fucked up as it is, but it's like the, the judges are not, I mean, I don't know if they're not qualified or what it is, but like they're not. See- it's like they're not seeing the same fight everybody else is. And I don't know if they, if they in their heads, they have a different, a different uh, point set for a championship fight. But I, I can't recall a single time where it's been a close fight, and you think it should have gone to the challenger, where it hasn't gone to the champion. It always seems to go that way. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you can't give the belt away on a decision, which yeah. makes no fucking sense
0: man i was just confused as hell and i flash back to a couple months ago when dana was saying you know we got to really look at the judges and that, of course was the dominic reyes and john jones fight where i thought dominic reyes did enough in the first 3 rounds to d- to dethrone john jones
1: yeah absolutely i mean but that's one of those that one it's hard for me because i i, I fucking hate john jones oh, dude, i don't same. think really, <laughs> like i wanted to, i wanted to stop you earlier and say wait hey hey the biggest piece of shit in the UFC is not is not is John Jones. Okay? Oh, there can dude. be close second, but I don't care how many illegal shots a guy throws, it's John Jones who's the biggest piece of shit in the UFC.
0: Oh, dude, this guy. Oh man, we're gonna get into him right after we talk about the main event because I want I want to end on our mutual hate for that guy. Um, so we get into the main event. Obviously, Volkanovski retains the featherweight. We go into the main event. All the hype on Street Jesus. I mean, the guy just got put on the t- the cover of UFC Four earlier in the day, so he's probably riding a pretty big high. Uh, him and Kamara Usman are in the title fight. Uh, Kamara is yeah, Marty. Marty Usman is uh, <laughs> he's a great man. He's a great wrestler. He's a prestige fighter. His his precision when he touches you is so fucking accurate. And then he goes against Street Jesus, who at you know his 40th professional fight finally gets a fucking title fight. And you could just see the outclass that one guy had over another. The Masvidal train, I think, took a slow fucking derailment. I'm not gonna say it's off the tracks, but it's been hit pretty hard. And uh, people are realizing that this guy is, uh, as an Usman, is the real fucking deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great fight, but it was it was it was pretty dominant. You could just see the strength of, of Usman, and, and Masvidal just didn't at all have an answer for it. Yeah, which he... is unfortunate because, I mean, I think for the most part, people were hoping Street Jesus pulls it off, right?
0: Yeah. I think the one thing that we have to really look at in that situation is that, okay, Kamara was training for Gilbert Burns, and if that fight would have happened, I think Burns actually wins that fight um, because Usman, for some weird reason, just looked fucking gassed. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would
1: have liked to see, I don't think it would have been the same draw, but I was definitely excited to see Burns and Usman go at it and, just, just because of the way how dominant Burns was against Woodley. Yeah, that's I exactly. That, it. Yeah, he's got he's got a pretty good shot.
0: And so all now, I think there's so many things that get thrown at him, but he obviously wants that rematch in the worst way. And I and I would say to his credit, I'm not a I'm not a huge Gamebred fan. I think he's he's good for the sport. He's a he's a marketable face right now um but at the end of the day like he just got like i said completely outclassed but for him i think it's unfair to say that he had a great shot at this taking the fight on six days notice having to fly from la or miami to la to abu dhabi all this testing that went down as well uh his coach mike brown tested positive for covid so he couldn't be there to give him the advice that i'm sure certainly Mazadal needed um especially with camp being only six fucking days yeah uh
1: you know, I don't. I don't understand. Kind of like Masvidal, I feel like has been around long enough that he should have been prepared. You know what I mean? Like, how often do these fucking fights fall apart? What was he doing in that time, where like he should? I feel like been training, but I don't. I mean, I think in his performance, I don't think that was the case, right? Well, and he, that's... I mean, he had a good first round, and I don't. I, I can't recall a, to- a round where Usman has lost except for that first one. With at all. yeah, he but lost that he first good. Yeah, I think he looked good, and and I think to his credit, he he did really well while he had the energy uh, at defending the power and the takedowns of Usman, which which I I thought that he he was going to be able to do regardless, because I mean this is a guy who was Training to fight Van Askren. right? And had it not been that knee, I mean, he had to anticipate a strong wrestling fight, right? So, he that's something he'd been working on. And, I mean, one of his best friends and you know, often training partners is Joel Romero, and it doesn't get much fucking scarier in, in oh the wrestling and, and just all around world than Joel. So, oh. Like, I, I feel like he could deal with that kind of uh strength and pressure from Usman besides defending for that first round he just he didn't have an answer
0: And it's funny cuz Dustin Poirier again one of their training partners in that gym said you know yeah he's been working with Maz at all cuz they're sparring partners and he said man Jorge's been training but to me, I think the most significant part of that is, yeah, he could be training, but he also was 20 pounds heavier than he was going into that fight. So when you're training, like, you know, more than anybody being a fighter, that weight cut can be gruesome, man. 20 pounds is a fucking lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that was one of the first times where you hear, I didn't have doubts about him making the weight because he's never missed a weight in a fight. But I think it was the first time where you hear afterward where he's like, you know what, that was that was a pretty fucking hard cut. And, and of course it was, but it's like when you have, I feel like if you're any top 10 fighter and you have a title fight in your division coming up, be prepared. You know what I mean? Because at this point when you see like, uh, who was it? That Joe Soto fighting for the, uh, bantamweight title, you know, the UFC will call up literally anybody to save with one of their main card fights. Right. So why not fucking be prepared?
0: And I think every fighter that has either fought in the last four months or five months has, you know, even if you've lost, I think the training has almost been almost immediate. Because, like you said, you never know what the pandemic, which way things are gonna go, um, how fights are gonna be placed, where you're gonna end up. Like we said, uh, Gilbert Burns test positive for COVID the week of the fight, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well we gotta shuffle something. And Mazzedal is like, yo, homie, pay me and I'll come out. So it's like yeah. he he got his he got his pay. Uh, I think they said 1.2 million dollars all together. Final. Oh, that' what it was. A final paycheck for Jorge Mazzedal. So that's not bad. <laughs>
1: I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can't complain about that.
0: No, uh, and and the thing is, he got paid because of the short notice, and he also said that he wanted to take a. He obviously was very, very vocal about staying with the UFC, and you just like listen, like he's been one of the forefront guys to be like, you need to start paying your fighters, which I agree with. I mean, we're at the point now where Bellator is handing over good sponsorship money uh, and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's at the point now where you almost have to like welcome that kind of money into the UFC.
1: Yeah, I mean if you want to continue having the most elite fighters, you're going to have to start paying them the best or why wouldn't they go elsewhere, you know what I mean?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And and that's and that goes for well, the next topic I wanted to talk about, you brought it up ever so lightly there. John Jones, man. John Jones. Listen, I have been an MMA fan my entire, well, probably most, yeah, mainly my entire life. And obviously John Jones, growing up, was a huge part of, you know, the domination that he showed. He was the first fighter in UFC history to be actually sponsored by the UFC. Um, He was the youngest champ. He's just, he was overall one of the craziest fighters. And then I don't know what happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, how do you even, explain? It's so fucked up. Everything. Like you, you get to a point where it's just—it's not even fucked up anymore. It's just, oh, it's John Jones. John Jones. That's what John does. I can't fucking stand him. Even and and even in the Octagon, where he's obviously, you know, I guess the greatest, right? Right. He doesn't. I don't know. The way he puts things together is so fucking frustrating. I can't even. Like I I watch his fights because I want to see him lose every fight.
0: Oh, I think you and I are in the exact same boat. John Jones is on the card, sixty bucks. I guess I'm fucking buying it because I want to see him lose. Yeah. I don't.
1: I don't want to not buy the one where where John finally fucking gets his ass knocked out. That'll be know? the one.
0: That'll be the I, one where you and I are sitting down somewhere and we're like, ah, fuck it, John Jones is fighting, and then he'll lose.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But it seems like at this point, it doesn't look like Dana White is very hesitant on bringing John Jones back.
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean. If if he's done as much as he's done and still come back, I can't see. I I literally don't know if there's anything that he could do to not be allowed in the UFC. Like it's just well, he's a staple of the UFC, and and nothing will change that.
0: The John Jones timeline all started way back. I think it was like UFC maybe 180. What was it 182 when he was supposed to face who was he supposed to? Chael Sonnen was supposed to be the fight that day, and he just pulled out of that card and was like, "Yeah, homie, uh, I'm not fighting." And then the whole car got canceled. And I was like, "Uh, oh, okay. I guess that's what we're doing now. So don't fuck, fuck all the other fighters that have been training for this fight, John. Whatever. And so my hate for him kind of started from there. And then, of course, you know, being high on cocaine, running into a pregnant lady, fleeing the scene in a vehicle, leaving cocaine, a gun, and something else behind. You know? It's just like... You want to root for him because in the octagon, he is hands down the greatest performer of all time. He and GSP are one, two. There's, there's, there's no denying that their styles are so fucking good. GSP being the greatest wrestler, I think to ever step foot in the octagon and John Jones, just the unpredictability of the way he fights. But then he starts doing all the shit outside of the UFC and you're like, fuck man, figure it out. Like who is in your corner? Are you not a man of God? Isn't that what you preach on people?
1: Yeah. And that that's another like huge frustrating fucking aspect is how fake he is. You know what I mean? If he could just if he was just honest and the heel, I probably would hate I mean he's still a piece of shit, but I'd hate him less, you know what I mean? It's like you're open that you're a piece of shit. You're aware of it. Okay but the fact that he all constantly tries to preach like how many times has he has he been a changed man now you know dude it's like the and, 48th and time <laughs> always back to the same shit Yeah, and then he he, he's lost his title three times, but never for having lost a fight. Yeah, fucking ridiculous.
0: It it, he's and the only person who can beat John Jones is John Jones. Like, and, and, and that's and that's honestly the biggest truth that comes out of any of this is that he can't he doesn't lose in the octagon, folks. Like I said, the closest thing I've seen him to a loss was Dominic Reyes. And you could tell by rounds four and five, Dominic Reyes wanted no part of that anymore. But John Jones yeah. was such a moron. You have the world in front of you. You have everything handed to you on a silver platter from the UFC, from sponsors, from, you know, your brothers in the NFL. And then, you know, like, you just, you pop positive for having steroids in your system. Like, what the fuck else, man?
1: Yeah, I don't, I mean, you know, you know, one thing exciting, and obviously now is not the time, given it was just his debut, but from from this past card... I wouldn't mind seeing eventually that Yuri give John a give John a shot. I think he would he's pretty give... he's pretty guy uh, that fucking weird style himself. He's got stupid long reach just like John and that's where John historically has had trouble, you know, with guys like Gus and like Reyes who who are, are similar in size and to him. So yeah. I think yeah, that'd be that could be a potentially great fight.
0: And not taking anything away from Daniel Cormier, who obviously faced the guy a multiple multiple times. But Dan Cormier is also only 5'11. And he's facing John Jones yeah. in that division, who's 6'4. Like, it's a huge, huge height difference. And I'll give Cormier credit in that last fight that they did have. Like he was touching him. He made sure that he was like he made sure John Jones knew where he was. And then of course that leg kick that just oh, You could see Cormier's soul leave. But uh, it's just—it's one of those things, man. Like again, like we said, the only thing that can beat John Jones is John Jones. Uh, I think for the sake of the game, um, he still hasn't announced that he wants. Like he stripped his title. If anybody watched the fights this past weekend, he was very active on Twitter, making sure that everybody know knew his two cents. And it seemed like the UFC was doing everything possible to make sure that his tweet always came up on the screen, which I thought was fucking yeah. weird. You know, like. <laughs> Is he even a contract fighter at this point?
1: I mean, how do you know anything? I mean, John Jones is probably, probably not officially because they've got a distance him, themselves from the shit he's got going on but he's always he'll always be a, a UFC guy and they'll always work with him I think whether it be behind the scenes or in front of the scenes I don't think John's ever worried about that
0: No and like I said he is he is probably the second one of the, one of two the greatest fighters that ever stepped inside that octagon and it's going to be such an unfortunate thing when it comes down to Hall of Fame stuff because the guys who have been entered in the UFC Hall of Fame are pioneers of the sport who never did, uh, like, shitty. You know, they weren't horrible people. They didn't run over pregnant yeah. girls in cars, man. It wasn't something <laughs> that these guys have done. Like, you look at the the list of Stefan Bonner, Forrest Griffin, GSP, uh, you know, even Bruce Lee being thrown in there a couple years ago. It's just it's yeah. uh, It's just one of those things where I can't see John Jones getting into the Hall of Fame. I can because of his resume. It speaks for itself. But all the stuff that he's done outside of the Octagon. poor Dana, man, poor Dana.
1: <laughs> yeah, who, uh, I'm, I'll be glad when it's over, and, and I'm hoping that it's not over because of his antics outside of the octagon. As much as I hate seeing him fight, I, I want to be a want to see him lose. You know, I don't want him to go out losing to himself. I want to see him lose to someone else, and then he can kindly fuck off.
0: I couldn't agree anymore on that one. So, Devin, what's in store for you now? Are you are you teaching? Are you coaching? What are you doing, man? Right now, you know, parenting sick it's not a whole lot of
1: working it's uh
0: it's uh I, I i
1: still i'm not officially not competing anymore but it's just i don't have the time to dedicate to it right and i think that's shown in my resume lately it's just uh it's uh, one of those things where it's like i'm still i mean i'm th- i'm about to be 32 i don't feel physically like i'm i'm any different or i lost anything that i've had you know in the past 10 years it's just a matter of finding the time now so it's like I don't feel like I have to quit because oh, you know, I have aching body this and that. You know, I'm not at that age, yeah. So it's hard for me for something that's been part of my life for so long. It's hard to just be like, oh, I don't want, I can't do it anymore because I still feel physically able. Right. right. So it's just like I'm waiting for the right opportunity, and I'd like to compete stuff. My my younger brother, who also competes, is, is constantly whispering in my ear, trying to get me involved into the Muay Thai world. Okay.
0: Does that I, think something... I, I
1: fare, fare a lot better just because I've I've dedicated a lot more time specifically, and that's always always in the cage. My weakness has been uh, the ground game. Right. I, I mean, initially I only got into MMA because after after I came back from Thailand, living there for a year, there were just there's not there wasn't a lot of Muay Thai and kickboxing opportunities in Canada, and that was you know about uh, 2009 where things were really starting to boom for, for MMA in Canada right. and all the different promotions. So that, that was really the only opportunity. So I took that, but yeah, it's, it's something I'm still interested in. So we'll see, we'll see what happens if I can. I mean, I just had, had another daughter here in uh, March, so it's not like I've got any, any more time. So we'll see who knows.
0: Right, that's a huge thing. Uh, Mainly, the the biggest part for you is, like you said, the the resume as of late has been a difficult one, but uh, I've, I've I've seen Devin fight before, folks. He's got very powerful hands. That is one thing that I can say that doesn't elude you at all. The ground game, like you said, well, yeah, I mean... It needs work, but I feel it like It something to be desired. Yeah, I feel like you're the guy, though, that if you do practice that Muay Thai with your brother, that you will come back and elusive fighter. And like I said, if you're not having any reoccurring injuries and you're 32, I mean, things look on the up and up for you. And uh, we here at Boomtown really hope that uh, our boy the Boom over there uh, ends up back in the uh, the octagon very soon, man. We can't think enough for doing this, dude. And uh, if you have any socials, where can people follow you, man?
1: Ah, right now, Instagram, Mr. Boom truck. It's not, It's not a ton of MMA-related stuff anymore, but, you know, check it out. I mean, like I said, it could be any time um, with the right opportunity coming up. So who knows?
0: Dude, wherever you are, we'll be in your corner. I'll be there to make sure that uh, I'm your corner guy. We'll make sure to have some fun. And uh, <laughs> yeah, win, for sure. win, win or lose, we'll have a good time. We know that for sure. We've done it before. We'll do it again. Definitely. Awesome, man. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. And, uh, again, guys, that's Devin Smith of of course Prestige FC former Prestige FC fighter and hard knocks fighting thanks so much man
1: thanks for having me